sir. It's a great beer in the morning. We can ask them, why do you say that? Well, first off, I'm sure our mamas would appreciate us being here. But you know, we do it not only to encourage each other, but to get encouragement ourselves. So I was studying uh, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Those of you who have been coming in the early hour, I appreciate you coming and showing your support, your concern, and encouraged me with my teaching. But I got thinking as, as we finished that one, and I come up with a little bit more. I'm trying to still figure these new things out. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from verses. Now, you can pick up a verse, read through it, and find a lesson. But then I find out if I go back and read it again, I find a totally different lesson to go along with the first one. Get this thing straightened out here. But anyway, it just goes to showing that there is a lot of stuff and it does take a lot of understanding. And the Bible don't contradict itself. But my question this morning, why are we really here this morning? Why are we really here? Are we here to impress someone else? Are we here to show our children, our grandchildren, that's what we're supposed to do? All those are good reasons. But the main reason is we're here to worship, sing, and show praises to God. We could ask the question, or someone, what does someone ask you? Why should you allow the Bible to direct your life? Would you have a good answer for them? Hopefully, at the end of my lesson this morning, we will have an answer for them. And I, I want to go ahead and point out that uh, Brother Dial had brought some tracts and some basic Bible reference cards are in the back pew in the white bag. Now help yourself. Well, on the question, why should we allow the Bible to direct your life? There are critics who ridicule people who live by the principle found in the Bible. The critics mock Bible believers. They even call them uh, prejudiced names. They call them names like Bible thumpers or stupid, or arrogant, or judgmental, or either call them holy rollers. Perhaps the most despised name of all is intolerant. When I choose to believe in the Bible as a guiding principle in my life, then I know I risk being called by these names. I know I risk being excluded from certain groups being rejected. But what did Christ say? They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting him. So when we tell someone the Bible says this or God says this, we need to study the Bible and make sure that's exactly what God is telling them. When someone tells you something about the Bible, we need to find out what book, chapter, and verse they're referring to. Let's study that to see who exactly is that book, chapter, and verse aimed at? Because there's some things in the Bible that we're not supposed to do. They might say, well, now, well, wait a minute. My point here is God told Noah to build an ark. 
Does that mean I'm supposed to go out and build an ark? We need to study God's word accordingly, appropriately. But anyway, when I said I knew that I was taking this risk, and I, however, why should I allow an ancient book to direct my life? Why should any of us? People who generally believe in the Bible as God's word want to live by Bible principles. These people who believe that the Bible principles have come from God, that the words in this holy Bible is inspired by God. When people practice Bible, Bible principles, they become the finest examples of human behavior anywhere in the world. And that's a good reason to follow the teaching of the Bible because they are the best principles in the world to live by. Jesus' half-brother. We'll turn over to the book of James. We just studied. So you might even already have your mark there. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. When it said, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is a wise man and endured with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation, his work with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I want to thank each and every one of you that's been here in the first hour. We had some real good comments and real good studying on these verses, which kind of promoted me to uh, come up, come into this lesson this morning. Because this is an excellent description of a Christian who is basing his or her life on Jesus Christ and the biblical principles for living. Now, does that mean that every believer in Christ is living by Jesus' principles? No. Unfortunately, not every so-called Christian believes in living by the Bible. They want to change a few meanings. They want to add a little to it. They want to take some words out of the Bible. We were told to live by the Bible. James shows us that there are two kinds of conventional wisdom in the world. We just studied that. I'm sure, hopefully, we can recall what these two are. We know it's wisdom from above, which is pure, and earthly wisdom, which leads to sin. James calls one of them earthly, whereas the other is heavenly, or from above. Now, heavenly wisdom, uh, wisdom from above, comes from God. That's the kind of wisdom that we need to pray and ask God to instill in our heart and in our mind. The wisdom from heaven, the bubbly, the pure one. The earthly wisdom is based on getting ahead in life. It's all about me attitude. My behavior will be unspiritual and even devilish if I live out of jealousy and selfish ambition. Now on the other hand, if I live by heavenly principles, then those principles were first be pure. That is, heavenly principles are, are live without selfish motives. Instead of clashing with the ambition of other people, my actions will be peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, 
and good fruit, impartial and secure, sincere. Don't you like to deal with someone with these characteristics, someone that's going to be honest, openly, easy to talk with, and gentle? If you're not a Christian, and yet you behave according to these heavenly principles, then by some means you have learned that this is the best way to live. In fact, by treating others this way, you are practicing God, Jesus' golden rule by treating others the way you wish to be treated, Matthew 7 and 12. <laughs> now Jesus' apostle Peter had this to say to Christians. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Now that way he starts it off in the King James Version. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from <laughs> fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversations honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do evil. For the, so is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish man. Verse 16 goes on saith, As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servant of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Peter's advice came from our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Christians were ridiculed in the first century. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that still ridicule today. Christians were living lives that the majority thought was completely ridiculous. Yet those Christians were following the heavenly wisdom through the inspired apostles. They had gotten their instructions from heaven. We're privileged today to have the written word of God. When somebody tells me something, believe it or not, a lot of times I forget some of it. Or I didn't hear it the way that they told me. We're privileged. God's blessed us in a way that I can read what the apostles said. Later on, I could go back and read it, and it's going to be the same. But these have gotten their instructions from heaven. Yes, we should follow the Bible because it gives us guidance about the best way to live here on this earth. Now, in the next chapter of his letter, Peter continued the same kind of reason about how to conduct one's life. And finally, all of us have unity of mind, sympathy, and brotherly love. A tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may attain a blessing. 
Then Peter quotes from it in the Bible in uh, Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34, verses 12 through 16. When he said, What man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. We just studied that a little bit this morning in chapter 4 of James. Then we go back over to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three. Verses eight through seventeen. It's a little lengthy. Bear with me. Starting in verse eight, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise. Blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain this time from evil, and his lips that speak no guile. That sounds familiar. We just read in Psalms. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensure it, ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to unto their prayers. But the faith of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed and falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. It's telling us here that God will be with us. One great reason to live by the Bible is because living by these principles brings the greatest joy on earth and peace for your soul. Notice here it said in verse 12 that for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Who's he over? The righteous. The one that uh, bases uh, their life's actions and controls on biblical uh, words and all. Bases it on the Bible. Says the Lord's uh, ears are open unto their prayers. But then it goes again and goes on and says, The faith of the Lord is against them that does evil. And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good. <clears throat> However, there's yet another reason for living life according to the Bible teaching. The reason is simple. And this is the one that we really need to be thinking about. 
There is a life after this one. That's right. There is a life after this earthly life that we live today. And it's a reward for those who obey Jesus Christ in this world. The Bible prepares a, a person in this world so that they can receive a place among them that are sanctified by faith. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. In Jesus Christ. Now Jesus said that there was a reward waiting in the age to come. The apostle Peter said to Jesus one day, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who would not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands were persecution and in the age to come eternal life. Mark 10, 28 and 34. Mark 10, 28 and 30. Whatever a person leaves behind for the sake of Christ and the gospel will be multiplied a hundredfold in this world. Now, however, there is something else that person will receive in the age to come. God's word tells us that that person will receive eternal life. Now, where do we spend that eternal life? Whether it's in, in peace, pure, in heaven with our Father, or if it's in torment, in hell with the evildoers. That's going to be up to each and every one of us. Jesus has given us the decision. He's given us free will. He's uh, given us a mind to determine, decide for ourselves. An eternal existence with Christ is waiting for those who will live in this world by Christ's principles for living. Those principles are contained right here in God's holy word. And especially in that part of the Bible called the New Testament of Jesus Christ. When we get to the end of our time, when we get to this eternal life, we can't say, well, I never knew of that, or I didn't think that would really happen. Well, it's told us right here in the Bible. So we, we know it's going to happen. It's inspired by God, so why wouldn't we believe that it's going to happen? Eternal life is a great promise indeed. It can be a great pleasure or it can be a great torment. That choice is up to each and every one of us. Allusions to it even appear in the Old Testament. The old prophet Malachi in the last book in the Old Testament had this to say. Malachi Chapter 3. Turn with me if you would over to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. 
And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. If someone helps you every time you need help, someone is there every time you need them, you don't even have to wonder if that person's going to be there for me. You know that person's there and he's going to be praising me. Then you got someone on the other hand that you know is not going to be there for you. You know they're just going to be speaking evil of you all the time. Who are you going to want to be around? Who are you going to want to make comfortable? That person that is always there for you. Same thing with God. He offers us heaven for the righteous. The ones that's here living by his word. To the best of our abilities. He never once told us in his word that you had to live every minute of your life. You've got to be perfect. He says, strive. Try your best to be perfect. Now, it's not giving us a license to go out and do as I want to and then come back. God sees the distinction between the righteousness and the wicked. Can you? The Bible is the book that makes the distinction clear. Consider these words about the wicked. Psalms chapter 10. In Psalms chapter 10, verses 2 through 12. When it said, The wicked in his, the wicked in his pride doeth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blessed the covenants whom the Lord abhorred. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far from above, out of his sight. As for his enemies, he puffeth at them. He, he has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall not be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, and the secret places does he murder the innocents. His eyes are privately set against the poor. He lieth and waits secretly of the lion in his den. He lieth and waits to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He crouches and humbles himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He saith, He has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hides his face, he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. We see here in his arrogance that the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in his schemes or the wicked devices. The wicked man boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. Now in his pride, the wicked man does not seek God in all his thoughts. In other words, there is no more room for God in his thought. The wicked man uh, always uh, prospers. It seems like, <coughs> excuse me. Your laws, O oh God, as they said, are rejected by him. He sneers at all of his enemies, and he says to himself, Nothing will ever shake me. He swears that no one will ever do me any harm. 
The wicked man's mouth is full of lies and threats and trouble and evil are under his tongue, as it just said here in Psalms 10. He lies in wait near the villages uh, for ambush. He murders the innocent. His eyes watch the uh, secret for his victims. Like a lion covers, he lies in wait. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off into his nets. As we just told, his victims are crushed. And as uh, Psalms 10, 2 through 12 just told us that they collapse. <clears throat> they fall under his strength. The wicked person says to himself or herself, God would never notice. He covers his face and never sees. And then we heard him say, Arise, Lord. Let your hand on God. Do not forget the helpless. Now the God of heaven will not forget the helpless. And neither will he forget the wicked. It's two different kind of lifestyles here. There's two different prophecies of life, philosophies of life. There is the honest person and there is the liar or the wicked person. There is the giver and there is the taker, the thief. There is the selfish and self-seeking person. And there is the person who cares only about helping or mostly about helping others. There's the person who is covenant for every dollar he can get. Then there's the person who would give away his last dollar to someone who needs it more than he does. <clears throat> there's the one who will crush you, and then there's the one who would lift you out. Over in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it's, Do not nothing out of self-ambition or vain deceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but each of you, to the interests of others. Now in closing, I hope you get out of this lesson this morning why we should live our life based upon God's Word. You know, there's two different lifestyles was talked about in, in James uh, chapter 3. There's two different destinies. Why don't you adopt the Bible as your guide for life. Let Jesus Christ be your captain of your salvation or your savior. Don't face the next world, eternity, without him. We need to read and then study God's word and then apply it to the life as our best abilities. And the good thing about it, God tells us to come. Accept him as our Savior. Be baptized for remission of our sins. He says that we are, as our song of invitation says, just as I am. People say, well, I'm not good enough. God won't have anything to do with me. Just think back. Tell them about Paul. Paul was probably the worst enemy of the Christian there was. But God used him. He turned out to probably be the, the greatest messenger for God. So we can't use that excuse. They say, what a root might fall in if I go inside the church building. We got a good foundation. We can always rebuild. Let's get your soul. Let's worry more about your soul than that church building. They're going to try every excuse possible. Whatever your need may be. Maybe you need to be baptized or maybe you be... I've been baptized, but stepped out of your way. You need the prayer and encouragement of the congregation. We ask you to come forward 
and we stand and sing their songs of invitation. 